Well, good morning, guys. We get to wrap up this series this morning. Um, now, the early church established statements of belief that were recited by believers. It's a way to summarize the doctrinal truth that they taught. It's a way to kind of, uh, it was a way to proclaim, this is what I believe. And so that's why we're titling this sermon series, I Believe. And, um, and, and it's just simply in the early church, the way they did this is they came up with different creeds that would be recited. And these creeds were used, again, to proclaim, this is what I believe. It was a way to make sure that, uh, that truth was being taught instead of heresy. It was a way that uh, these were even memorized by believers and recited at the time of their baptism. Um, and so these, uh, these statements were really important in the growth of the early church. They weren't written by the apostles. They weren't really in the Bible, but they contained the teachings of the apostles. And that's why the main one became uh, to be known as the Apostles' Creed. Later, there was the Nicene Creed that, that popped up with a little more detail. But the Apostles' Creed uh, is really important. And that's what we've been kind of focusing on, just so we can teach some doctrine. Just so we can get into some theology. And what are the essentials of faith? What are the basics that every Christian needs to know? And so this morning, uh, I'll kind of focus in on one of the last statements. But the whole, let's just kind of look at the whole statement again one last time. And it's this. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, which means universal church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. I feel like every time I read that, I have to kind of, we're not Catholic, okay? Uh, we just, that means universal, it means the whole, it means the holy church, it means the church, big C church, all of us together. And so uh, that statement, you just think about that and how much that encapsulates what we believe. How it, it contains so many important doctrines of the faith. And it's such a good statement. And today, I want to zero in on one of the, the phrases at the end. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. What does that mean? Now, for the most part, the Apostles' Creed talks about the nature of God. Who is God and what He is like and how do we describe Him and what did He do? But it's only now at the end that the creed kind of turns itself around and it starts looking at humanity. It starts looking at us. And what does it mean? What it, it specifically with this whole idea of sin. We can only understand our purpose, our identity, uh, you know, our eternity, right? When we first look to God. But once we look to God, then we can start dealing with the problem that we have. Now... Um, I would say forgiveness is a pretty radical concept, the forgiveness of sins. Um, Ligon Duncan, who's a pastor, he shared this. He, he, he talks about why this is so controversial. He said, some of us take for granted the morality of forgiving sins. The ancient pagans in the world accused the Christians of immorality in saying that God could forgive murderers and adulterers of their sin. Pagans did not agree with that. 
And they attacked, they mocked Christians as they taught the gospel of grace throughout the Roman and the Greek world. Pagans often mocked the Christian teaching that sins could be forgiven by another, even by God. As far as a pagan was concerned, you either make up for your misdeeds or you're forever guilty. And pagans didn't even consider forgiveness a virtue. Only the weak spirit only the weak-spirited or the weak-willed would forgive. So we've got to realize just how radical the Bible's message is of the forgiveness of sin. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. It's a pretty radical message that if you do something, if you, you know, like the the pagans would say, if you raped or murdered or, or did something bad, that you could be forgiven. You either have to make up for it, uh, you know, or you've got to work your way out of it, or you just forever carry that guilt. Now Jesus comes on the scene, and he's associating with people who are of ill repute. (laughs) He's associating with people, um, he's using people, right, that uh, have sinned, that have a past, that um, have been outcast by society. He takes Paul, who uh, as a Roman was imprisoning Christians and torturing them, and, and watching as they were being martyred for their faith, and And Paul was right there organizing all that. He takes him and makes him the greatest evangelist the world has ever seen. That's how radical this message of forgiveness really is. So this, this idea that our sins can be forgiven, this idea that we can forgive others, this is not normal in our world. And I think even we carry that innately today. People are like, well, God can't forgive me for just fill in the blank, or why would he forgive me? Or we feel like we've got to, to make it up and earn our way to God and work our way to God and appease God and get God on our side. And we don't understand really why Jesus came. So let me just ask you a question this morning. How many people do you think suffer from a guilty conscience in our world today? You think a lot of people are walking around carrying a lot of guilt and our shame with them just day to day. And then I would kind of turn that around and say, how many people in this church today are carrying around that guilt and shame? That's why we've got to learn about the forgiveness of sin. That's why this is such an important concept. That's why we can't, not, we can't just neg- kind of breeze over that statement. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. If we believe in it, then we need to live like it. And so that's what we're getting at this morning. You know, our our Western culture teaches us how we can cope and deal with our feelings. And uh, but before we can talk about God's forgiveness, we've got to talk about sin. And this is the uncomfortable part, right? But but we're thankful that God has a solution for our problem of sin. But we got to talk about sin. And so I just want to start with one verse that's so important. It's located in the passage where Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper, uh, which we'll be celebrating today at the end of our service. But Matthew 26, verse 28, we find this little verse tucked in. And it says, For this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and His people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. So the blood of Jesus, you'll hear churches talk about that. And you're like, why is the blood important? It's because it's through his blood that we have forgiveness of sin. It's through his blood, through his death, through his sacrifice, 
that his blood was able to cover, uh, atone for our sins. And that kind of brings me to my first point this morning, if you're following along or if you're taking notes. And simply this, we all need forgiveness. Every single one of us, we need forgiveness. Uh, let's begin with some definitions of sin. I, I think probably, probably the most common definition of sin that we've heard in the church uh, that you probably are most familiar with, it's this missing the mark. Uh, it's missing the mark. Think of a, the target or, or a bullseye, right? And if you miss the mark by even a millimeter, just a tiny you know, fraction of an inch there, you still missed the mark. And the reality is every single one of us in this room, every single one of us on earth today has missed the mark. None of us are perfect. Now, again, you know, when you think about that, we like to think, but we're a good person. We try really hard. Our intentions are good, but it doesn't matter. If you've broken one law, you're, you're a lawbreaker. And so we have all have missed the mark. We, none of us come close to the perfection, the majesty, the holiness, the, the beauty of God. And so everyone stands guilty before God based on the standards of God's holiness and righteousness. And it's not real popular, in, I would say, in the world today. We don't like to admit that everyone is sinful. You'll hear people say, well, but they're a good person, right? And, and, but none of us are truly good. And I know that's not the kind of the feel-good message that you want to hear maybe from church, but that's the message we need to hear, that we need God. Because sin must be punished or God is not truly a loving God. It is precisely because of God's love that sin must be punished and not ignored so that justice may be complete. And so if, if the standard of heaven is perfection, and, and never rebelling against the holy and righteous nature of God, then none of us, apart from Jesus, can claim to be holy. 1 John 3, 4 says this, Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And that's the problem we have, right? We have all broken God's law. We all are separated from God because of our sin. And so believing in the forgiveness of sins means that I believe I'm a sinner who needs forgiveness. That means I know I'm not perfect, which is, again, something we don't like to admit. We've got to be able to readily admit our need, our faults, our problem, our sin, the things I think, say, or do, or the things I fail to think, say, or do. And so those are the sin in our life. And, and if you are here and you think you don't have a, a problem admitting when you're wrong... I would say, ask those people closest to you. Ask your kids if you can say, I've messed up. Ask your spouse. Ask your parents. Right? I think many of us, instead of admitting we are sinful, we get defensive and try to prove we're righteous. And I think we do the exact same thing with God. When we're convicted of sin, but I didn't really do that. I didn't really mean that. I didn't really say that. You don't know my intentions. And we argue with God. Instead of just saying, I sinned against you, please forgive me. And so when we believe in the forgiveness of sins, it allows us to be open about all of our shortcomings. Well, let's read 1 John chapter 1 and through a few verses into chapter 2 here. I love this passage. It says, this is the message we have heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but we go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. 
But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that His Word has no place in our hearts. My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only for our sins, but for all the sins of the world. And so, that's such a beautiful passage. And I think it does such a good job of explaining what I just mentioned, right? We're all sinners, we're not perfect. Uh, We need forgiveness, and the forgiveness is available through Jesus. Uh, The definition of sin from the New City Catechism, which is a way like a question and answer things to teach families about doctrine, it says this, it says, Sin is rejecting or ignoring God in the world that He created. It's rebelling against Him by living without reference to Him, not being or doing what He requires in His law, resulting in our death and the disintegration of all creation it's it's rejecting it's ignoring God it's rebelling against him it's not acknowledging him it's not being or doing what he requires of us and again we've all fallen short we've all missed the mark and so we've got to come to grips with this whole doctrine of sin or we won't be able to understand the depths of his forgiveness but that kind of leads me to my next point forgiveness it is available to all but it's not automatic now, I heard this phrase in a, an evangelism training course I did uh, really over 25 years ago, and it stuck with me. Um, it, it's, a, it's available. Forgiveness is available, but it's not automatic. In other words, you're not forgiven just because you're a good person. There is a requirement of belief that we must have. Uh, the, the, the Apostles' Creed, it doesn't just address the problem of sin. It talks about Jesus Christ and His power to forgive sin. John 3.16, um, probably the most famous verse in the Bible, right? For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but will have eternal life. I love that verse, right? I mean, that's, that's the, the, that's, here's the, the problem of sin, and now here is the solution. God didn't just leave us in our sin. He loved us so much that He sent Jesus to make a way for us to be forgiven. He made a way for us to be, be, become righteous again. He made a way for us to be reconciled. He made a way for us to be adopted back into the family. And that is why Jesus came. And you've heard me say before that in our culture today, I think the problem is you go up to someone and said, you're a sinner, you need Jesus. And they're like, I'm not a sinner, I'm a good person. They don't understand the problem of sin. They don't understand how God created the world and how the world was broken and how sin entered the world and how sin was passed down. And all of us are infected with this problem of sin. And that's why Jesus had to come. And so the problem, right, when we just lead with, hey, you're a sinner, people are like, I'm a good person. But when you understand what sin really is, 
then you start seeing, okay, I, I do need Jesus. I do need God in my life. And so when we state that we believe in the forgiveness of sins, what we are really saying is what Jesus did on the cross. It was sufficient. Uh, it, it, was, it was sufficient enough to redeem us from our sin and, and to restore us to a right relationship with God. Um, and so 2 Corinthians 5.21 um, there's a famous theological passage here. Uh, it's kind of even got a name for this verse, the great exchange. Because there's an exchange that takes place when Jesus went to the cross. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. You may have heard it, the other translations, for God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That's, that's what Jesus did. That's the exchange. We need righteousness. We don't have it. But uh, what, what we have is sin. So what God has, what we need and we don't deserve. He has righteousness. And we have what God hates and what God rejects, the sin. So his answer is Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. That our, that our, this is the good news. That our sins are laid upon Jesus and his righteousness is laid upon us. And so every time, right, uh, when we take communion together as a church, that's what we're proclaiming. His blood was poured out. His body was broken. Why? Because we received his righteousness. We have been forgiven. And that's something we celebrate. That's something we can proclaim. And, and so that's the gospel message. Ephesians 1 says this. He is so rich um, in, in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. All right. And so let me ask you this. Does, does Christ's death on the cross mean that all of our sins can be forgiven? What do you think? Does it mean that all of our sins can be forgiven? All right? Because if his death fully paid the penalty for our sin, uh, then, then that means Christ's righteousness uh, is ours. And I think theologically we know, like when we put our faith in Christ, yes, our sins are forgiven, but we walk around and we don't really believe it by the way we live because we carry around guilt. We carry around shame. We walk around feeling the load of our past mistakes and we feel like we've messed up over and over and over again. We feel like we're not worthy of God's love. We don't really receive that forgiveness because we don't feel we're worthy of that forgiveness. It's available to all. Uh, Luke uh, 24, 47 says it was written that his message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem that there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. We, we see this message throughout the New Testament, but it's not automatic. Uh, Matthew 7 says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. And so forgiveness does not mean that God will accept your excuses. It doesn't mean that he looks at you and thinks, oh, well, okay, kind of the good outweighs the bad, so you're in. No, it's not automatic. What it means 
is that we don't earn our way to God. We don't prove our way to God. When we repent, when we turn to God, what we've shown is that we put our faith in Jesus. He looks at us and he doesn't see our sin anymore. He sees Christ. He sees Christ's righteousness. And so when we're carrying around the guilt and the shame, when God looks at us, he's like, you've already been forgiven. That debt has been paid in full. You no longer owe anything on that because of what Jesus did. I mean, doesn't that excite you guys a little bit? Are you all awake this morning yet? Okay, help me out here a little bit. This is exciting stuff. I mean, this is amazing that we have been forgiven, that we now are righteous before God. Uh, C.S. Lewis, thank you. Uh, C.S. Lewis um, said this. He said, a great deal of our anxiety to make excuses comes from not really believing in the forgiveness of sin. From thinking that God will not take us to himself again unless he is satisfied that some sort of case can be made in our favor. But that would not be forgiveness at all. Real forgiveness means that he looks steadily at the sin. The sin that is left over without any excuse after all allowances have been made. And he sees it in in, in all of its horror and dirt and meanness and malice. And nevertheless being wholly reconciled to the man who has done it. That and only that is forgiveness. And that is what, we, is what we can always have from God if we ask for it. God looks at our depravity. He looks at our sin. He looks at the, the, the deepest, darkest parts of our hearts. And when we put our faith in Jesus, He forgives all of that. He, he casts it away. He sees it no more. So let me ask you, why are we carrying around so much guilt and shame? If we've been forgiven, why can't we forgive ourselves? When we trust in Jesus, we are completely forgiven of all of our sin, past, present, future. Because Jesus defeated death, we have full assurance that we will live with God forever. Do you believe it, church? Then we got to live like it. And so what that brings me to my next point, forgiveness. It is freedom from your past and it is purpose for your future. This is where it gets good, right? It's freedom. And if you are walking around feeling like you are weighed down by all your past mistakes, and I know there's a lot of people, you came in here this morning with a lot of baggage. You're carrying around a whole backpack full of stuff that is weighing you down, that you know you've messed up on, you know you wish you, wish you could go back and fix it. Do you ever do that? Do you ever find yourself, your mind drifting back to a moment in time and say, man, I messed up there. I wish I would have made this choice. You ever done that? I've done it. Uh, Things I've said that turned out were just idiotic, right? You're like, man, I really hurt that person's feelings. I shouldn't have said that. I should have kept my mouth shut. Or or when you should have helped somebody and you didn't. Or you felt God prompting you, man, you really need to go to speak to that person. And you're like, and you made excuse after excuse after excuse and you never did it. Do you ever find yourself kind of replaying in your mind? I, I, and that's the, that, this is why, why forgiveness is incredible. Uh, you know, I, I've heard over and over again through the years from believers who say something along the lines of, I struggle with forgiving myself for a past sin. I've asked Christ to forgive it, but I can't seem uh, to get over it. And, and here's what I want you to know, right? Forgiveness is freedom from your past. If you have accepted Christ's sacrifice have you confessed God? If you confess to God the sin, if the answer is yes, um, then God says, "I've fully forgiven you." 
I, you know, I've fully forgiven you. You don't have to, to come around and, and bring it with you everywhere you go. In fact, I would say that's offensive to God because what in essence you're saying is, God, you're not big enough to forgive me of my sin. God, you're not big enough to handle this. I've got to take it back and carry it around, and I can handle it myself. But yet we do that so often. And so, uh, you know, let's go back to what, John, what I read from John earlier. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful, He is just to forgive us of our sins and to what? To What's the word there? Cleanse us from all wickedness. He cleanses us from that. Here's what I want you to know. Jesus told us that Satan is a liar. And when you feel condemned as a believer, that is a lie. Because it's not coming from God. Who's it coming from? It's coming from Satan. Satan wants us to walk around defeated and powerless because of what we've done in the past. But Jesus came to give us freedom. And so if if you've confessed your sins, then you are forgiven. Can I just remind you that you are not defined by your worst thing that you have ever done. That does not define you. You, you, We label ourselves, well, you don't understand. Uh, uh, And we label ourselves by our addiction. We label ourselves by our mistakes. We label ourselves by our sin. And Jesus wants us to know we have been forgiven. When I admit the wrongs that I've done, those things, they're not what define me. They're my past. And so instead of replaying those over and over again, we've got to understand that we have the righteousness of Jesus. And so, um, uh, you know, C.S. Lewis again, he said, I think that if God forgives us, we must forgive ourselves. Otherwise, it is almost like setting ourselves up uh, as a higher power than, than God. And if you feel like you're not worthy of God's forgiveness, can I tell you, you're right. You're not worthy of it. It's what grace is. It's what mercy is. That's why, that's why Jesus came. That's why it's so amazing what Jesus did on our behalf. Romans 8.1. Every believer, if you, if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, you need to carry this verse around with you. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. This would be the verse that wakes us up every morning. There's no condemnation. I don't care what Satan says because Satan is a liar. I'm going to walk around in the power, in the confidence, in the joy of God because of what Jesus has done for me. Romans 5, if we back up a few verses, it says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently, we joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We have peace with God. And I just look around at our world today and I don't see a lot of people with peace. I see people who are carrying around the shame and guilt and condemnation. People who are worried and anxious and depressed. And people who have no joy in the Lord. And we have been made right in God's sight. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ has done with us. That's why we can be confident. That's why we can have joy. That's why we can look forward to sharing about Jesus wherever we go. And so, um, 
Now, I'm, I'm a little different. Y'all know I'm a nerd. So I watch these. The Apple every year comes up with their big conferences, right? And their developer conferences and their software conferences. And, and they would get to the very end. Steve Jobs was famous for this. He'd get to the very end and he'd say, there's one more thing, right? Have you ever seen that? Okay, y'all, just go with me. They did that this week. They had a conference at the end, and they announced those ski goggle-looking things that are crazy expensive that look ter- like a terrible idea to me. But they'll probably sell a bajillion of them, all right? Um, but there's one more thing this morning. There's one more thing that we got to talk about. We've talked about us being forgiven, right? But there's one more thing, and that is, my last point, forgiven people forgive others. Forgiven people forgive others. And the Lord's Prayer that you know, we, um, I've, I've shared before, I don't know if I've shared this, but I, I remember the way I learned the Lord's Prayer was praying it before basketball games, right? Back then, the coach could pray with us, and we would pray this before games. Forgive us of our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't, lead us, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Uh, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Pretty, uh, uh, pretty convicting verse here. Uh, it reminds us of the parable that Jesus taught, right? Like the, the unmerciful servant who was forgiven this great amount and then he went and, and demanded payment for this small amount from another person. Um, the, the forgiveness that we receive it reminds us we've got to extend that same forgiveness to others. It reminds us that I'm not better than anyone else. We're all in the same boat. We have all need forgiveness. Um, I think we get in dangerous territory when we walk around thinking, I haven't sinned, I don't need forgiveness, I'm better than everyone, I'm better than those people. I, I hate when I hear people kind of label a whole group of people as, well, the, and you could, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, the old proverbial which side of the railroad tracks they live on or, you know, those people. When we start thinking those people, what we've done is we've elevated ourselves to the place where we think we're better than them. The truth is we're all messed up. Truth is we're all sinners. The truth is without Jesus, we're all in the same predicament. That's why we've got to extend forgiveness to others. Uh, if we don't forgive, we allow bitterness to start growing in our heart. We become judgmental. Uh, we think that we try to hold everyone to a standard that we can't even meet ourselves. Uh, there's a guy I follow on social media, um, Dave Abr- uh, Ab- Adamson. That he, um, He's a neat guy. He, um, he's a photographer and a social media guy, but he travels around. He's traveled a lot in the Holy Land, so he does a lot of pictures from Israel. And he does a lot of word studies. And he, knows, he talks a lot about Hebrew words and what they mean. And, um, and so he had a video this week that I thought, man, this is good. I just want to share it with you. It was on Instagram. So let me just kind of show you. What this does video. it mean to forgive? Forgiving others can be hard, right? When someone has hurt us or wronged us, the idea of forgiving them can be complicated. If you've been following me for any period of time, you probably already know that I am a child sex abuse survivor and the idea of forgiving the person who inflicted that trauma on me has not been easy. And yet, if you're a follower of Jesus, you know how much freedom there is in being forgiven. But Jesus told us that this freedom means we are to forgive others as we have been forgiven. 
The Hebrew word we translate as forgiveness in the Bible is selicha, which comes from a root meaning to lift up or to remove. And that's the point I don't want you to miss. Forgiveness is not easy. It takes courage to forgive. And forgiveness is not excusing. Forgiveness doesn't mean it didn't happen. And forgiveness doesn't mean you should allow someone to hurt you again. But when you forgive someone, it's not just because they deserve forgiveness, but because you deserve peace. Forgiveness, salicha, lifts up and removes the burden from you. Which is why forgiveness is not a sign of weakness, but of strength. To forgive is to set someone free, and that person may be you. Amen. Um, it's a quick message, but man, a lot of stuff packed into that. The reason I showed it is because for me to share what he just said would take like 10 minutes. Okay? And he did it in like one there. So it's good stuff, though. It lifts up. It removes the burden from us. And I feel like that's what so many of us really need. And so let me ask you, who do you need to forgive in your own life? Do you need to forgive yourself? Uh, do you need to forgive someone who has hurt you? Um, doesn't mean, and I've shared this before, forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things. Now, uh, we can't conflict, you know, we can't look at those, conflate those two things together. They're, they're separate. Um, and so, uh, but forgiveness gives you peace. It gives you freedom. And so, I just want to challenge you today. Oh, do you need to forgive yourself? So many of you, you can't do that. You're just carrying around that guilt and shame. Maybe you need to forgive someone else. But today, as we kind of wrap up our sermon, wrap up our series, I want you to think about that. That's why Jesus came, to set us free, to give us freedom. Uh, in Matthew 26, it says, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread, he blessed it, he broke it into pieces, he gave it to the disciples saying, take this and eat it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine, gave thanks for it, he gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Mark my words, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So it's a reminder when we do the Lord's Supper that Jesus is coming back. That we have a mission until He comes again, until we're with Him in glory forever, for all of eternity, that we have to tell as many people as we can about this message of forgiveness. This is an essential of the Christian faith. This is who we are. This is what we believe. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. I'm going to pray, um, and then we're going to enter into a time to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Today, uh, we just thank you for who you are, for who Jesus is, for what he has done. I'm so thankful that even though you saw my sin, you saw my depravity, uh, you still love me. And even in the midst of that, you sent Jesus to die for my sin. I'm so thankful that Jesus went to the cross on my behalf. That he took my shame and guilt and condemnation upon himself. And in exchange, I receive his righteousness. Lord, we have so much to be thankful for. And so if you're here today, you have not received that forgiveness. If you're watching online, you have not received that forgiveness. This is your invitation right now. That if you confess that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, right, then you will be saved. That's just, it's as simple as that, right? It's meaning that we understand what Jesus did on our behalf. That He went to the cross. He 
He lived the perfect life that we couldn't live. He took our sin upon Himself. And He was a sacrifice. His blood covers and cleanses us from everything we have ever done wrong and every, anything, everything and anything we ever will do wrong. Lord, we thank You for that. And so if you're here today, you don't know Jesus, would you just pray with me? I, the prayer's not magical. It just expresses a condition of your heart. It, can, it expresses what you truly believe. That I believe, Jesus. I, I believe, Jesus, you came and, and you lived live that perfect life and that you are who you say you are God in the flesh who went to the cross on my behalf you died for me and I know I'm a sinner I know I've messed up I know I've missed the mark I know I've rebelled against you and I know I need forgiveness so Lord will you forgive me right here right now in this place will you forgive me come into my heart change my life help me to be a follower of Jesus that listens to the Holy Spirit that is led by the Holy Spirit each and every day of my life. Lord, I believe. Save me. Transform me. Make me to be more like Jesus. It's in the name of Jesus we pray this morning. Amen.